I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Dr. Denise. Notice I have made you a doctor. You know what? I like that. I mean, you started mid last year. I thought it was because of the pandemic. That's kind of when you started it because I was such an expert on COVID, right? That you decided to make me a doctor. Expert daughter pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I will take it coming from you. So um, we talked last time about the new normal and uh, it's a new year. And so in a new year, you, you make resolutions you hope for new and better things. So I want to talk briefly about hope for new drugs on the horizon as it relates to Alzheimer's and dementia. And I'm just going to let you have the floor. So tell our listeners if there are any new drugs on the horizon and hope for Alzheimer's and dementia. Okay. The answer to the question, first of all, is yes, there are drugs on the horizon. They are not yet available. They are on the horizon. They are just not yet available. And in the chat, I have basically referred you to the National Institute of Health, National Institute of Aging. You see the website? I do. So I'm going to ask our listeners to please access that particular website when you want a specific update on what's going on with Alzheimer's research and where we are caregiving, all about the disease process. But the most important piece of referring you to the National Institutes of Health, National Institute of Aging website where they discuss Alzheimer's disease is because they're going to put on there the most, excuse me, most current, most up-to-date, widely available medications or treatments that we can access. They're not going to give us a whole lot of stuff we can't access. And when you enter that website, you can kind of navigate the website and look for the things that you want. But we can tell you about the kinds of research that are going on that are funded by your taxpaying dollars and where you can access them. All of that is on that website. Now, a couple of months ago, we were thought we were on the cusp of having a new medication called aducanumab, which is a monoclonal antibody. It disrupts the process. So if you have Alzheimer's and you take this drug, it's not going to undo any of the damage that was done. It's going to make it less likely that more damage occurs. It is what we call a disease-modifying therapy, much like chemotherapeutic drugs intervene with cancer doesn't, it, it keeps the cancer from spreading and keeps more cancer from growing. Okay. So the objective with these newer disease modifying drugs for Alzheimer's is that instead of 
curing Alzheimer's, if you will, it keeps it from progressing. Whatever the process is that's making Alzheimer's come, this disease-modifying therapy or this drug is stopping that process. Okay. Okay. That's hopeful. So that, that's hopeful. Yeah, that is hopeful. That is hopeful. It's called aducanumab, but and that drug is manufactured by a company called Biogen. That drug was, did not meet FDA approval for availability in your pharmacy. Mm. So there's still some more testing that the FDA, the drug, the um, governmental agency that approves drugs for sale and use in the United States, the FDA wanted more information and more data to allow this medication to come to market. So there are still what we call phase three trials or the last clinical trials um, that are going on with this particular medication. They want more data and more information to say that yes, this drug is efficacious in terms of stopping the Alzheimer's process. Can I say something? Because yes. I think myself included and a lot of our listeners, we're more savvy now about clinical trials, probably because of what we're going through with COVID and the vaccine. And we hear about all these trials and efficacy, and I kind of understand it now. So in this trial that you were talking about, you said they wanted more evidence. Was it because they weren't seeing any um, progress or was it because there were bad side effects? It wasn't because of bad side effects. It was just the metrics for approval. Let's just say I created a drug that was going to put out fires. You told me this drug is going to put out fires. And to date, the evidence that you provided shows that it may be effective in putting out fires, but it's not necessarily putting out fires. I understand. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, aducanumab has to provide a the, the people who make the drug in their trials has to show that it is making a definitive difference in the disease process. And according to what I've read, the FDA has not gotten that level of information and proof yet. So they can't say that this drug is available to intervene in the Alzheimer's process. Okay, I understand. On that note though, there are other medications that are like monoclonal antibodies um, that work on other proteins. So in Alzheimer's, we have A beta and tau proteins. So the aducanumab is a medication that stops the A beta protein from developing and accumulating. There's another medication that's being developed that will stop the tau accumulation or twisting that is a part of the Alzheimer's mechanism. Those drugs are not yet available, but we've gotten a little bit better about evaluating and diagnosing Alzheimer's. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you had to be, you had to do a brain autopsy to figure out that somebody had Alzheimer's. Now we can detect Alzheimer's in vivo in the living person by using a PET scan. The FDA has approved use of the PET scan to look at somebody's brain and diagnose somebody with Alzheimer's. The problem is Medicare won't pay for it. Ah, 
Okay, that's what I was talking about. Remember our last talk, we were talking about what does Medicare pay for? Okay, these things may be available, but our insurance may not pay for them. Right. Hmm. They're not cost effective. They've been perfected in the research lab, but they've been perfected at great cost. And as of right this moment, our Medicare, which is our governmental insurance that most of us over age 65 are on, is not paying for PET scans. You can get a PET scan, but of your pocket. <laughs> that's it. It will be an out-of-pocket expense. Let me ask you about that PET scan, because that's, you know, revolutionary, because we've always heard that you don't know you have Alzheimer's officially until you pass away and they do the, the post-mortem. But this PET scan, can't, how soon can it detect Alzheimer's? Could it be like from the very beginning or you have to have been afflicted for quite some time for the PET scan to notice? I think that the, the PET scan is looking for an accumulation of the proteins that we know that are associated with Alzheimer's, the A-beta or amyloid protein. Okay, so you have to have some amyloid in order for it to be detected. The radio tracers are looking for amyloid. Mm -hmm. So if we're injecting the, using the radio tracer that looks for amyloid and we subject you to the PET scan, if you have the amyloid, the tracer is going to pick it up. But if you don't have it, it won't. So there was a study called the A4 study, which did a PET scan looking for something like that. So those studies are still ongoing. We call them, I think the study is called ADNI Alzheimer's Disease Neuroimaging Initiative, ADNI 3. Those studies are still ongoing. That's a way that you can get a PET scan that can tell you what your risk is. We're doing it in people who certainly have been diagnosed with it by validating it with cerebrospinal fluid, which is the other thing that we've done in neuropsych testing. But there is a cadre of normally people with normal cognition who are being followed with these PET scans to look for changes over time. So a PET scan is available to people for evaluation and diagnosis of Alzheimer's uh, dementia. But for the most part, it is a research tool. So wherever there is an Alzheimer's disease research center that you can find out about on the National Institutes of Health, National Institute of Aging website, where are these Alzheimer's disease research centers where I can find this? That's on that website. That's so, what I was about to say. So the website that you talked about, and I let our listeners know, go to our Twitter page, MPMK at MPMK podcast, or our Instagram page, my parents are now my kids, and we will put this website on there for you to go to. And if you go to this website, you can find out about these trials and the PET scan availability, correct? Yes. Wonderful. But in advance of any definitive disease-modifying therapy, those of us who are living and breathing need to practice preventive proactive lifestyle. We need to exercise 150 minutes a week. We need to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables. We need to remain socially engaged, whether you do it by Zoom or by telephone. We have to fight isolation and depression. All of these things affect you. You've got to eat properly. That means anything good for your heart. So 
low fat, low cholesterol, less red meat, more fish, more poultry, but most importantly, more lots of leafy dark green vegetables and red vegetables. Anything that has, um, not retinoids, um, the things in red wine. So you can have a glass of red wine. Antioxidants, that's the word I'm looking for. Ah, <laughs> antioxidants. Yeah. I'm a doctor. Okay. I should have known that. Oh, go yeah, on. you should have known that. And for other things that you need to make sure that you do if you're healthy, you need to make sure that you get a good night's rest, good six to seven, seven to eight hours of rest, adequate rest, not four or five. I don't need a long sleep. Everybody needs to sleep. You need to sleep. You also need to get your hearing checked if you've not done that. You need to have a good dental exam to make sure that your oral health is together because infection and inflammation that's associated with gum disease transmits to your brain. So eat healthfully, exercise every day, get your hearing checked, get your teeth checked, make sure you go to sleep. Those are things that we can do to improve our own longevity and decrease and minimize our risk of developing a brain disorder like Alzheimer's. Perfect. What a great way to end. We start out 2021 the way we ended it and the way you've been preaching the entire time. Your mental health depends upon your physical health. There are, there are hope for new drugs and different things on the horizon, but you always have to take care of self. Bingo. Thank you, Dr. Monica. Thank you, Dr. Denise please visit our Twitter page, MPMK at MPMK Podcast, and our Instagram page, My Parents Are Now My Kids. See you next time.